Well, Razorback fans, Arkansas got another player that entered into the transfer portal, and this time it's a big name. What the impact will be, let's discuss it on today's episode of the Locked on Razorbacks podcast. You are Locked on Razorbacks, your daily podcast on the Arkansas Razorbacks, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And welcome into the Locked On Razorbacks podcast. I am your host, John Neighbors. I'm also the host of Out of Bounds. You can catch every weekday afternoon from 1 to 4 on 1037thebuzz in 1037thebuzz.com. Hope everybody's having a wonderful Wednesday as it is going full speed ahead when it comes to portal season and some of the craziness that's going on with the Razorback football team. And I feel like just each and every podcast, we're going to have to open up with some sort of uh, extra developments that's been going on. And this one, without question, is a massive major development for Razorback football as it was officially announced by Rocket Sanders, Raheem Rocket Sanders, that he will be entering into the transfer portal this upcoming year. Now, he has one year of eligibility remaining. I wouldn't say that this is necessarily a surprise, but uh, he did put out this statement, uh, and it says, to Razorback Nation is who it is addressed to, First and foremost, I'd like to thank God for giving me the ability to play the game I love. I've been blessed beyond measure with all the opportunities that I've been afforded. To the entire Razorback staff, my teammates, and all of the Razorback Nation, thanks for supporting me throughout my college career. Thank you to the Razorback Educational Support staff, your support with helping me be on track to graduate in the spring of 2024 within three years of my initial enrolling. Coach Smith, thank you for your support, guidance, and advice through everything. You are more than a coach to me, and I appreciate you. Lastly, I want to thank my family for supporting me through it all. With your unconditional love, I have grown to strive to carry myself with honor that you would be proud of daily. It has been one of my most special distinctions in representing the state of Arkansas and the Razorbacks for the last three years. After much prayer and reflection, it's time for me to move on to the next chapter in my life. In order for me to reach my further goals, it is best for me to enter my name into the transfer portal with one year of remaining of eligibility, Raheem Rocket Sanders. So there you have it. Rocket is officially entering into the transfer portal. As we know that injuries played a huge part into his season this past year, but uh, without question, his sophomore year, he was uh, one of the best running backs in the country that year and honestly had one of the best seasons you would have of any Razorback in the running game. Uh, He had 222 carries for 1,433 yards in 2022 now, six and a half yards a carry. That was one of the things that I think was a little bit more surprising. I didn't realize how many yards per carry that he had. Uh, but he also had 10 touchdowns with 271 yards and two touchdowns in the receiving game. But he only played in six games this past year after uh, suffering uh, that uh, injury that he had that just kept him off the field for the most part. Uh, he was a player that was a four-star. He played wide receiver out of high school, came in as a running back, and now he's going to be moving on. So I have a lot of thoughts about this uh, particularly because, listen, again, you're going to have players that are entering into the portal. But there was something about this year with Rocket Sanders that just didn't really make sense. Now, let me preface all of this by saying I I don't I'm not saying I know of anything specific. Uh, I'm just looking at it from the outside looking in. With the injuries and the play and, you know, times he was available and times he wasn't available, uh, really not having a clear understanding of what the injury was and it, like just the way that the coaching staff handled it. There was just so many questions about Rocket in this past year. 
Like people saw him in, you know, a game against Western Carolina to start of the year where he kind of got hurt, but he had been building up in the offseason. He had gotten massive. I mean, he's like 240 pounds. Uh, kept hearing about how he's bigger, faster, and stronger, and he looked really good in fall camp. Uh, I do know that. He looked really good in fall camp and looked like uh, he was really ready to take that next step. Uh, once he got hurt, though, in the game down at War Memorial Stadium, something just never came back, and there was always these random games that he would appear in but really have nothing going for him. So it was just strange because I, I can't remember exactly which week it was, but there was a time where on a Thursday – when people get to meet with the media and get to hear from certain players building up into that week of the season, or at least that Saturday, Rocket was there in person and did the press conference. But then on Thursday or on Saturday of the day of the game, he wasn't there. He wasn't on the field. He wasn't anywhere he's found. Uh, he had said that he'd been rehabbing down in Texas. And again, just all these questions started flooding in about like what's actually going on here. And this is kind of the thing where I, I see both sides of it. Like I understand as a coaching staff or as a player, you wanting to play things pretty close to the chest as far as not giving too much information out because uh, it's nobody's business, you know, and you don't have to do it. Uh, you don't know what a player is going through specifically. I, I get that you want to keep that pretty low key, but at the same time, if you want to keep from speculation happening, then you need to be able to address and be very transparent with people. And that just really wasn't the case with Rocket Sanders. Uh, and again, I'm not saying that's Rocket's fault necessarily or Sam Pittman's fault necessarily. I think it's just the type of culture that gets put around in college football and college sports in general where you don't, you know, he, coaches and everybody feel like, I, I don't owe you an explanation. It's like, okay, well, if you're not going to explain things and fans and everybody are seeing on the field, you missing, you're not playing, but nobody knows why. And it seems pretty inconsistent as to what's going on then people are going to start jumping to their own conclusions, whether it's right or whether it's wrong. That's the approach that a lot of them are going to take. And I think that's what happened with Rocket Sanders this past year. Uh, the the offense in, in general was abysmal. We all know that. And I, I specifically remember against Ole Miss in that game offensively, uh, there was a play that when Rocket was actually in the game, there was some sort of audible or some sort of play call or something like that where he just kind of threw up his arms in frustration like while he was in the backfield. Uh, just waiting as in what is happening? What is going on? Why are none of like, what's no one knows what we're doing. There's frustrations that built. And, you know, we really didn't see much of them after that. But then once we saw that Dan Enos had moved on, uh, Rocket Sanders came back for a little bit, played a little bit, but just never really saw the field. Cause again, with the offensive line issues that they had, you know, that was a problem. And, uh, you know, just not being able to stay healthy, Reportedly, that was the problem, too. So just really disappointing for Rocket, who was a preseason All-SEC player, first team by most people's uh, opinions, and then even a All-American preseason. But didn't get anywhere close to living up to that uh, this year. So disappointing year for him. And I've never had a problem with Rocket, uh, especially with uh, you saw the potential there, how good he was, and uh, seemed like a guy that, that really felt good. But, you know, both him and KJ... Uh, th th there was an interesting dynamic there, and we'll talk about KJ in a second because I know people have actually been asking me about that. But with the transfer portal and with NIL, and we, we know what's going on, like Arkansas really did a whole lot to invest in both KJ and Rocket. And what I mean by that is after KJ's season in 2022 and Rocket's season in 2022, folks, you don't think that there were schools that were blowing those two up to get, hey, transfer to us, transfer to us. And 
you don't think that they didn't take some of those calls and you don't think that there wasn't that option for them to move on and to go somewhere else? Of course there was, 100%. They were big-time names and big-time players, and they were coming off of a 6-6 six and six season. So people try to adhere to that. But both of them stayed at Arkansas. Do you really think both of them stayed at Arkansas for free? Like you think that they're like, you know what? I know these other schools are offering me these great NIL deals, but I'm just going to stay at Arkansas for uh, a much more discounted rate. No. Arkansas invested a lot into them. NIL was invested a lot into them, both. And so that was a thing that really was good to see. But then seeing the type of year that both of them had, it leaves a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths. And it kind of goes back into full circle of, you know, what these guys went through, but also why it's not, it doesn't feel like it's going to work out for these guys being back on campus next year. Like Rockets leaving, as we already know, and that's why I still believe KJ Jefferson's going to be leaving in my hardest of hearts. And I'm not saying I want him to, but just knowing the climate of how college football is and the, the transfers and everything, that's kind of where it's at right now. But this was just, it sucks. Really comes down to it. It just sucks that the lasting impression that we all have of Rocket Sanders was this past year, which wasn't good. And he had that one really good year for Arkansas. I think he was very much beloved in Arkansas. But we just got to get used to the fact, folks, that in modern-day college football, you cannot get too attached to players. There will be some that will finish their careers out at Arkansas. There will be some that will be really great at Arkansas. And there will be some that you know, will be remembered because of the highest level of success they had on the field and on the team that they were on. Like That will happen, and there will be ones that get remembered. But at the end of the day, we got to understand that these are just players that are going to get a lot of opportunities thrown their way, and they'll make those moves, and they'll move on. You know, even the, even the ones that you feel like there's zero chance of them leaving because they got it all going on right here. Uh, I mean, it hasn't really happened necessarily at Arkansas just yet, but like we talked about with Kyle McLeod and, and Dylan Gabriel, those two quarterbacks at Ohio State and Oklahoma respectively. Like, what else? Were, they're in the portal. Like, what else could you do? Like, dude, you guys were awesome for your teams, and you played a huge part in your team's success. What else? Where else are you going? That's kind of the thing we just got to get used to. No player is safe. Accept that. No player is safe in this modern day of college football. You think a guy's got it going on, and you think he's great at Arkansas, and you think he's staying? Don't bet on it. Don't bet on it. Don't bank on it. Because if you do that, it's just going to make you even more upset when they end up leaving, inevitably, at the point of attack. Uh, but anyways, we'll talk more about KJ Jefferson because I got an interesting question asked to me from one of you about him and the possibility of him coming back next year or moving on next year. And we'll talk about that here in just a second. But first, I know we come to sports to really talk about escaping from the crazy realities of life, but we just need to talk about preparing for life as well with Jay's case. According to the FDA, pharmacies are running out of a lot of different antibiotics and right in the middle of the worst flu season in over a decade. And that's a really scary thing. Trust me, as someone who had the flu, it was pretty rough. So I can't imagine feeling more helpless than somebody, whether it's a relative or a loved one or even yourself, um, even one of your kids or anything, getting sick. And when there's a supply chain issue that kept them from getting their medication that they needed, it, it makes it tough, especially if it's life-saving medical attention that they needed. But thankfully, we're all going to be okay because we have Jace Medical. It's, the Jace case is a pack of five different antibiotics to treat a long list of bacterial illnesses, including UTIs, respiratory infections, uh, skin infections, among others. 
And this stuff could happen to any of us at any given time. So visit jacemedical.com and complete your physician encounter. It will be reviewed by a board-certified physician, and your medications will be dispensed by a licensed pharmacy at a fraction of the regular cost. It's never been more important to be prepared than today. So go to jacemedical.com and use promo code Locked on to get $20 off your next order. You are locked on Razorbacks, your daily podcast on the Arkansas Razorbacks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, so moving on into the next segment of the Locked On Razorbacks podcast, I got asked about KJ Jefferson, and I and I talked about him a little bit uh, previously. But this actually came from one of you, the listeners, uh, on my, not only on my radio show, but also on, I think his name's Jack. Uh, but uh, he asked a question there on my radio show just about KJ Jefferson and also looking at the other quarterbacks in the transfer portal that Arkansas could maybe have a chance of getting if KJ moves on. And I'm kind of coupling that with another topic that somebody else sent me and saying, is Arkansas better off without KJ Jefferson next year? which is a really complicated question because if you think about what KJ has been able to do as a player for Arkansas and as a quarterback for Arkansas, breaking all these records and any and everything, you know, KJ has done a lot of great things, but I believe that the one thing that KJ has missing from his repertoire, if you would, was like nine and four years in 2021 was really great. We all know that that was like one of the best years Arkansas has had for sure. Not even one of them. It was the best year Arkansas has had since 2011 and uh, it was a time where, you know, you only lost a band on the road by a touchdown. You're right in the mix there. Uh, you know, you were you should have beaten a team in Auburn that you just struggled against. And Ole Miss came down to the wire. Like, you were a really good team that year that had a lot of people talking about you. And you got as high as number eight in the country. So, KJ was a big part of that. Obviously, Traylon Burks was the best player on that offense and on that team. But KJ still had some really good numbers that season, too. But that's really it. But when it comes to the iconic moments and the iconic games, and the iconic seasons of KJ, it's pretty limited, comparatively speaking to some of the other iconic quarterbacks in Razorback history. Now, I'm not trying to compare them as far as stats go, but just when you think about the, the legendary status that you have, you know, you think about, to me, Ryan Mallett, 1-5, rest in peace. You think about the years that he had when he was at Arkansas, and the, the, the games that he had, some of the numbers that he put up. Um... You know, he was able to have games where he threw for over 500 yards or close to it pretty consistently. Had over 300 yards per game, uh, throwing touchdowns all over the place. But even if you look at a game, like you think about the Arkansas LSU game in 2010 where they were able to go into the uh, Sugar Bowl. Like that's a year, that's a moment, that's a game that Ryan Mount's going to be known for. Same thing with like a Tyler Wilson. Uh, you think about, you know, he only really only had the one great year with Bobby Petrino as the head coach the next year, the team didn't have a great year. Our, uh, Tyler Wilson actually had a decent season. But in 2011, even, uh, Tyler Wilson was able to stage that comeback against Texas A&M, you know, the wild comeback. And then also be able to have big-time numbers against uh, the number nine uh, South Carolina Gamecocks at home and lead Arkansas to their first 11-win season in forever. Like, he had that going for him. Matt Jones. I mean, my goodness, it, it would take us all day to talk about the iconic moments and great years that uh, Matt Jones had. But you see what I'm saying? You have a lot of these quarterbacks that are remembered in Arkansas history and having some iconic and legendary games, moments, seasons, whatever it is. And KJ just does not have that, which is wild because he is one of the more 
dual threat, athletic type of quarterbacks that you would ever see. And we know about how many times he just threw guys off of him. You know, we played that clip from Nick Saban. We talked about KJ Jefferson and just how he was one of the greatest plays he's ever seen. We just do just threw him off him like a rag doll. Like that's great. That's awesome. And those were really cool moments, but in a lot of cases, they didn't lead to anything, you know, like they led to some good plays and, you know, KJ was able to put some teams on his back. Like, I think he played really good against Florida this year in the one SEC win that Arkansas had. I think he played really good against Kansas in the bowl game last year. Uh, I think that, you know, he had some games that he played really good, but it just still didn't have that moment that has everybody talking, you know, like if I, if you go up to any Razorback fan and you mention Matt Jones, like they're going to have, oh man, I can't wait to tell you about all the moments. Same thing with Ryan Mount, same thing with Tyler Wilson. I think even, uh, you know, a Brandon Allen, people remember, you know, the old Miss game, at least. Uh, you think about, you know, even going back, way back when, you think about Quinn Grovey uh, and, the, and the type of games and, and moments that he had. Uh, I mean, the list goes on, goes on and on. And so it's just, you never had that for KJ. And so the question becomes is, will Arkansas be better with or without KJ next year? The answer is, first off, none of us know. Because you could say no, you could say yes, but then if you don't know who's he's going to be coming in, it could be somebody that's much worse and then ends up being a problem. But it also could be the opposite. It could move, he could move on and then you're in great shape because you got a great player and that comes in and you end up being better. But I do believe that at the end of the day, it's about being the right guy for the job. And I, I talked about in the previous segment with Rocket and KJ and the investment that was made into them. And it was great and it was worth it. You know, at the time, it certainly seemed like it, but this past year definitely wasn't. So I believe, in my personal opinion, that if you move on from KJ, you're already moving on from Rocket. But if you move on from KJ, I think that's going to open up a lot of opportunities to possibly be able to get somebody as Bobby Petrino now as the offensive coordinator and the quarterbacks coach to basically say, all right, Coach Petrino, look at that portal. Who do you want? And let's go get them. Find that out. I think that opens it up because therefore it's not Petrino having to be forced to do and work with KJ if he doesn't feel comfortable with KJ or vice versa. If KJ doesn't feel comfortable with Petrino, you don't want to have a forced marriage. I truly, truly want to see this offense. If you give it all to Bobby Petrino, like I'm hoping you do, then just give him a blank slate. Just say, hey, players on the team right now, tell us who you want to keep. Players that you don't want, let's move on from them. And guys that you need out of the portal, tell us who you want and let's go get them. Give him full reign. Trust in him and let's see what happens. But I think Arkansas is going to be fine no matter what happens next year because I believe and I trust in Bobby Petrino to get the job done and to get the offense turned around. We'll talk about something that the NCAA has proposed that really could change everything already as if it's not changing enough in NIL and in college sports here in just a second. So stay with us here on the Locked On Razorbacks podcast. You are Locked On Razorbacks, your daily podcast on the Arkansas Razorbacks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, so final segment here on the Locked On Razorbacks podcast. Um, this was a report that was put out by Ross Dellinger, who does a great job uh, covering things, all things college football, especially behind the scenes stuff. And he actually uh, tweeted out this story, and according to Yahoo Sports and Yahoo.com, that NCAA President Charlie Baker is proposing the creation of an FBS subdivision that permits schools to directly compensate athletes through a trust fund and NIL. 
This could be the most revolutionary concept introduced in NCAA history. Where they're proposing a creation of this FBS subdivision that would allow the highest resource schools to compensate athletes directly through a trust as well as an IL. And it's going to dramatically change the entire compensation for athletes, essentially where schools can pay these athletes. Now, there's a lot of moving parts and a lot of different layers to this. But according to Baker's proposal, the schools can opt in or out of this new subdivision. But if they opt in, they are required to meet a minimum standard rooted in the athlete investment. Members of the new subdivision will be permitted to strike name, image, and likeness deals with their own athletes, a significant move away, of course, as we know, from the current NIL structure, because it's all, it hasn't been able to be the schools. However, the impactful, most impactful benefit would be schools can directly compensate athletes, essentially like employees, and there is no cap to the amount of funds that a program can provide an athlete. Now, another thing, too, is that looking at the entry into the subdivision, Schools are required to deposit annually at least $30,000 per athlete into a trust for half of their athletes, all right? So into a trust for half of their athletes. And the schools must follow Title IX where 50% of it goes to women, women's sports. So a four-year athlete stands to earn at least $120,000 in their four-year career. So think about that. Arkansas, we'll use them as an example. We'll pull it up on the calendar or on the calculator. If you're talking about, I think they have 365 roughly student athletes at the U of A, right? We'll do 364 since you can't really, you know, have a half a person. So divide that by two. So you got that half. So about 182 athletes, the campus of the U of A would need to be making and hearing and having invested at minimum. Again, this is a minimum of $30,000 per athlete. Okay. So if you're talking about that, and multiplying it by 30000 you're looking at $5.46 million per year at the minimum, okay? And $2.73 million of that each year goes into uh, women's athletics and to the athletes who are women's athletes at minimum. So that's just in one year. Imagine what it would be. I think I did my math right. Maybe I didn't. But the point is, is it's a lot of money. And so I'll be curious to see if anybody actually opts into this. I'm sure there will be some. That they can directly compensate. But I also love that everybody's just like, oh, the schools can afford it. Schools can afford it. They make all this money. Like, I, I love, like, some of these people out here. Does, does, does schools make, and athletic departments make a lot of money in athletics? Yes. Yes, they do. No question. You see the numbers getting thrown around. Like, you know, they're making $50 million a year just from being a part of a conference. Everyone sees that. They're like, oh, man, they should just give that all to the athletes. Folks, do you not understand how expensive it is to run an athletic department? Seriously. Do you not understand that with all of these athletes, scholarship athletes, travel, having, you know, extra stuff for them and, and for them alone, like all of these things put together, it costs a ton of money. And so the idea of just throwing it out there and giving it to them, ah, it'd be fine. It's not as simple as that. So I really hope that this doesn't go through just because there's too much at stake and there's too many problems, but it's the NCAA who, who really knows what's going to happen. Either way, appreciate everybody listening in the Locked on Razorbacks podcast. Be sure to like and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or on Google Play. You can also get that from me on Twitter, Buzz John Neighbors, for any questions, comments, concerns you may have. 
Keep it going from there. Same podcast time, same podcast channel tomorrow afternoon. Have a great day, everybody. We'll see you then.